you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, and we are focusing today on the running back position. This is our prototype series, Buck, where we take one position per episode and we go through it. We go through our evaluation at the position, what we're looking for. We have special guests, and then we wrap things up with who we feel is the prototype in today's NFL. Why don't you tell the folks who we've got uh, on the show today? Man, we have a star-studded lineup. We don't have Hall of Famer Terrell Davis is going to join the program. Maurice Jones-Drew, who is a UCLA Hall of Famer. And we're also going to be joined by Tennessee Titans general manager John Robinson. All of those guys will give us insights on the running back position as it goes forward. Prescott under center. Hand off Elliott. Big hole up the middle. To the 15. Made a man miss. To the 10. To the 5. Walk the dog. Touchdown, Elliott. Gurley the catch in the 15. The 10. The 5 gets a block. Gurley goes in for the third time today. Touchdown, Todd Gurley. Touchdown, L.A. Hand off Barkley. Runs left. He's got room. He's up to the 40, 50. It's a foot race to the Redskins 30. No one's going to catch Barkley. He raises his hand and celebrates. Touchdown, Giants. 78 yards for the rookie sensation, Saquon Barkley. 
All right, well, let's, uh, let's start this thing off here uh, with what you're looking for at the position, and then we'll kind of bounce some ideas off of each other, and, and we can talk to not only what we're seeing now and how the game has changed a little bit at that spot. But, Buck, when you're, when you're watching the tape and, uh, and you pull out the notepad, what are the things you're looking to discover when you're looking at the running back position? Man, the first thing that I'm looking for is a guy that has outstanding feet meaning he has balance, he has body control, he has the ability to get in and out of traffic. He does a great job of kind of slithering through holes. And then he also brings what I call that, that physicality, that pop. Uh, I like to have a, a tone setter in the backfield coming from uh, the Carolina Panthers and watching how we were able to kind of ride a physical running game to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38. I'm just a big believer in watching running backs that can finish. And finally, I love to see the explosive plays, but more importantly, I want to see a guy that can do something when he gets to the next level. Can he get past the linebackers? Can he work one-on-one on safeties? Can he make those special plays happen? If he can do those kind of things, I believe he's a guy that I can build my office around as a running back. Yeah, those are great points. To me, I start when I put on the tape and I have a kind of a checklist that I need to see. For me, it starts with vision because I can get the biggest, fastest, strongest, most explosive guy in the world, but if he's running to the back of his offensive lineman, he does me absolutely no good. And on the other side of things, we've seen plenty of running backs who aren't going to rip off a 4-4, but they play in the NFL forever, Buck, because they have a set of skills that start with vision. So to me, that is number one. If you don't have vision, uh, I don't really have time for you. That's where it's got to start. And then another area that I like to look at is what do you do against a free man? Because mm-hmm. times it's going to be blocked up and you're going to get to go through a hole and, and you can find a whole bunch of backs that can make things happen when everything's clean. But nine times out of ten, there's a free man. And so how do you beat him? That's what I'm trying to discover. I'm not partial to one way or the other, but are you going to drop your shoulder and run through him? Are you going to be able to make him miss? Or you just have such bursts that you're going to be able to get right by him? So that, to me, when you're scouting, what does a running back do against a free man? And that's in between the tackles. And that can also be, hey, you flip him the ball out in the flat and he's one-on-one. What does he do one-on-one to make that defender miss? Because in my opinion, that's what defines the great running backs uh, and separates them from the good ones. Yeah, I think what they're able to do in space plays heavily in the evaluation. And I'm also going to add one more tidbit. I believe what they do in the passing game, uh, we'll talk about blocking, but I'm going to say as a receiver, in today's game, that number one running back has to be a hybrid. He has to be able to handle all the duties that are respected, that are that he's responsible for in the run game, while also being a factor in the passing game. The best running backs in today's game, they not only are runners, but they're outstanding pass catchers. You have to be able to do both in today's game favorite scouting term over the last few years is is contact balance for me Uh, we talk about that as well can you absorb contact can you get through tackles that way are you always falling forward getting those extra one or two uh, hidden yards contact balance to me uh, is a huge part of that when you're looking at the running back position and then buck you mentioned in the passing game there's different levels of that you know is somebody just catch the ball first of all if you just catch the ball get me what's there that's fine and then i've got somebody that can catch the ball and then he can do something after the catch, he can make you miss. And then you get to the graduate level stuff, which is somebody I can deploy 
out in the formation. I can put him in the slot. I can split him out wide. He can run legitimate wide receiver routes. We've talked about Marshawn Lynch a bunch when he was coming out of Cal, Mm -hmm. and that was the comparison, right? It was Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch. And while Peterson blew us away with the size, speed, power, breaking tackles, and the home run speed, Marshawn, we had we'd seen in the college level what he was capable of doing, uh, putting him in the slot or really deploying him as a wide receiver, not just as a running back. And, and that's one of the things you're looking into the evaluation. Yeah, you are looking into those things, into the evaluation, because you have your traditional RB1, your guy that is kind of the hammerhead. He can run solidly inside the tackles. He can get on the perimeter. And then you have the hybrids who can do those things plus add something to the passing game. If they have size, they certainly, in my mind, go to the front of the table, to the front of the line. But it's one of those situations, depending on how your offense is built and constructed, you may like different style running backs, but prefer to go with one because he gives your team the best pop, the best chance to go from good to great. All right, Buck, I want to ask you this question because we use the phrase, um, a guy has natural hands or he has easy hands. And I think sometimes we take it for granted. We say these things. We know what they mean. We've, we've talked and spoken that language for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for somebody that's just watching game on a Sunday, just a fan that's listening to us talk right now, uh, define what that looks like. A guy has natural hands as a running back. What does that look like? Natural hands to me is a guy catches the ball like a wide receiver. When you watch him, he's able to watch it all the way in. He doesn't have a sense of panic or anxiety when the ball is coming his way. He just easily takes it. So if we think about going to the baseball, he, he's a guy that can easily make catches on pop-ups, easily catches the pop-up, puts it away, and makes things happen after he has the ball in his hands. I want the natural pass catcher, and if the natural pass catcher also has some upper echelon route running skills, now you have someone that can be really be a dangerous playmaker uh, in your offense from the running back position. That's well said. I, I also look at can they frame the football, meaning can they can they put their hands like a wide receiver to get the nose of the ball between their hands? Um, are they are they comfortable catching the ball outside their frame? Because a lot of times with running backs, they don't trust their hands. I think to uh, Andre Williams, when he was coming out of Boston College, everything's off the chest. He'd not feel comfortable extending his arms. So uh, those are some of the things from a scouting perspective you're looking at with these wide receivers uh, in the passing game. You mentioned the explosives, the home run ability. A lot of times you're trying to document that you know 20 plus yard runs does he have some you get it blocked up there'd be nothing more discouraging than have everything blocked up and not be able to pay that off uh, so you're trying to track that as you're going through the process and truthfully uh, was my only hang-up with a guy like Josh Jacobs who I thought was the best running back in this draft uh, this past year but the explosives that would be the one drawback it wasn't the the number of touches of the production uh, to me it, this this past year specifically didn't have the explosive that you want you know, it, it's tough because we all are kind of fixated on one little thing. For me, I'm, I'm always looking at the production and performance and the numbers. Can he carry a full workload? Um, because, it, look, they won't be asked to carry it 20 more times a lot in the pros. But if I'm selling someone as a number one, I want to be able to confidently say, hey, this guy can tote it. He can tote the mill. He can give us 20 to 25 times. So to me, it's the stamina, the conditioning, all that comes with being a number one running back. Can you withstand the test of time because you're able to get up, down in, down out, and be a consistent producer um, and not have issues with durability? All right. Well, there's some good thoughts there from us on scouting the running back position. Now let's get to our guests. 
uh, we're going to be able to speak on a whole nother level about what's important and what to look for at the running back position. Let's start with our first one. Our good buddy Maurice Jones drew a fantastic career at UCLA and quickly emerged as one of the top running backs in the NFL uh, over his strong, strong career, mainly there with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well as the Oakland Raiders. Here's our chat uh, with MJD. First question from me, if we go back and look at your career, which was a phenomenal run that you had, and and I had to just kind of narrow it down to the two or three things that you would say made you what you were as a player attribute wise, what would those be? Uh, for, well, first of all, let me say this. I listen to the podcast all the time, so when Bucky starts taking shots, know that I hear that. And secondly, I need some like <laughs> underwater earbuds so I can listen, so I can swim when I swim in the mornings because it's tough to do that and get electrocuted. Ooh, so that's trying to figure those get you things on Shark out. Tank with that thing. There we go. We got to find out. But uh, for me as a running back, I think the first thing you have to do is be a great open field runner. And so for me, that was something that I was able to utilize in the screen game for my my days in high school. And college returning punts and kicks is being putting me in open field, getting me in space, and allowing me to, you know, use you know some moves or being able to set up blocks. Those are some of the great things, especially that's what the way the, the way the game is changing right now, where you know you can throw a little swing pass or a screen pass to a back, put them out in space, and kind of create things. I think contact balance is another one that that you see, being able to take hits and still stay on balance and keep running. Um, and lastly, is, is short area quickness. Um, and that kind of goes with being creative. So uh, I think you look at Shady McCoy. Um, so many times everyone thinks a play is going to be blocked perfectly all the time. That's never the case. So uh, 90% of the time there's someone in the backfield firing through. you got to be able to stop, make that person miss, try to get back to the line of scrimmage and get yards after that. And and that's where the creativity um, and the short area quickness comes from. Uh, for the back, those three things to me are, are what kind of – you're starting to see the game go to. And, and I was lucky and fortunate enough to play with a guy like Fred Taylor who had that at 230-6-2. Oh, yeah. um, but then also watch, you know, other players as well that, that did those things. I'm glad you mentioned Fred Taylor because I want you to kind of discuss him. I think his name kind of gets lost when we're talking about uh, these great running backs all throughout the last you know, maybe 20 years. And, and we see guys like David Johnson, what he's been able to do, Lev Bell, what he's been able to do. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a package in terms of the <laughs> size, speed, power that, that Fred brought to the table. Go on a little bit about uh, your former teammate there. Well, well DJ, listen, um, I thought I was fast, right? Uh, I felt like um, I ran 10-5 <laughs> in high school in the 100. I'd, I've, I've run anywhere from 4-3 um, low to 4-3 high. So I was like, I, I'm fast. Uh, at Fred at 26 or 27 was rolling past me. I mean, he was still running low Jeez. four twos at that point. So um, to be 230 pounds, to have that, and, and to be, you know, the one part that a lot of people didn't understand is his mind of football, the way he thought about the game is kind of, that took me to the next level. We had a running back coach by the name of Kennedy Pole that would challenge us to do that. And so I remember one time Fred uh, took a run play that was supposed to go to the right, and he cut all the way back left and took it to the house. And I was like, why did you do that? And he was like, well, the safety wasn't where he was supposed to be in the linebacker. And, and, and so when you have a guy that has the ability to do all those things and think and understands what he can do, uh, you know, athletically and, and all those different deals, it, it was crazy to see. And so every day, not only was I learning, I was competing to try to obviously match him or be, be better than him. And so that kind of helped me grow. But, you know, if you look at his stats and what he was able to do, and, and, and people have to understand, like, this is a physical game, so you're going to get hurt. You know, I, I hate when the people used to call him Fragile Freddy because he was playing through multiple yeah. injuries. Everyone gets banged up. But still to amass 10,000 yards, uh, to do all the things that he did As a violent runner. 
a, a violent run. I mean, he runs people over. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shake everyone. And mm-hmm. so his style, it mm-hmm. was crazy. We actually had a conversation um, was like a couple months ago just about, you know, a lot of stuff that we did because, you know, we're doing the 25th anniversary thing for Jacksonville. And, I mean, there was times where we, we would go in the cold, and I never played in snow before at this point. Um, and he was like, mm-hmm. well, look, there's only one way to run. Just through somebody. And then so I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Like, that, that's how we do it. And so he, I mean, I think he ended up rushing against Pittsburgh. He averaged like 230 in his career against Pittsburgh or had like a couple big games like that. So you're talking about a guy who, against one of the most vantage, the, one of the best defenses in the league in the history of the game, just destroying them because of his running style. We talked a lot about um, the different characteristics that, that made you such a great player and other ones you were around. Um, but I want to touch on three different things. Just give, give me kind of your thoughts on these three different areas. Uh, vision, um, touch on that. You've touched on balance, so you can go quickly on that one. But the next one, I think, maybe the most underrated, and uh, you, you kind of briefly mentioned it with Fred, and it kind of goes with vision. But just intelligence. You know, you get a chance to, to talk with uh, a guy like Marshall Falk and how he understood the leverage of a defense and, and how that all plans together. I think a lot of people, when you're watching on TV, as a casual fan, you think, okay, you're running back, look, hey, you're running, you just know the whole number, you run that way, right. and, and then let your natural ability take over. Over. I, I think that's an underrated aspect of the position. But just, you know, vision, balance, and intelligence, your thoughts there. Well, I, I think vision and, and intelligence could go hand in hand, right? So you have to know where to look, what to look for, why people are going to be where they're supposed to be. And, and when I got to the NFL, uh, one of my biggest issues that I had to deal with was, like, widening my vision, right? In college, it was we just mm-hmm. did half-field reads. So if I'm running outside zone to the left, if the guy went out, you cut up and you stay in that lane. You don't cut mm-hmm. back. You don't do those type of things. Uh, if I did cut back, Eric Bieniemy would jump down my throat. Um, so when I got to the mm-hmm. pros, because everyone's so much faster, so much smarter, you have better coaches, you have guys who are, you know, diving into the game and really trying to break, give their guys the best advantage, you have to widen your vision and you have to be more intelligent. And so there's times where we'd be playing teams and they'd load the box and, you know, there's guys like Shady McCoy who who would be able to get the ball, stop on a dime because he knows a guy is out of position on the backside, so he gets back and gets a huge gain. Or And so those two things are huge. Um, the, the intelligent part comes into watching film, and that's something that a lot of people really don't understand throughout the week. And, DJ, you know this. You're studying probably 70 yeah. hours worth of film because you only could be on the field for six hours, seven hours a week. So. The rest of it is all mental mm-hmm. preparation, studying, you know, studying film, watching your opponent, how they tackle, how do they run, how do they cover, um, how do they, they fit their holes. Does he close his eyes when he gets to tackle? Um, does he keep his head up? Like all the different things. Is he a lunger when he tackles? All these different things go into intelligence. Touch on, touch on this because I, I love what you're saying there. When you're, when you're studying an opponent, not only are you looking at scheme, but you're looking at the individual personnel. Uh, is there examples? I mean, you don't have to name names or anything like that, but I, you I, knew, okay, hey, if I get in the open field against this Will Who is the big safety? Who he doesn't the, have the strength to get me, or he know, doesn't have or he's not, doesn't have the lateral quickness I can make him miss. Who is the big safety that came out of SC that went to the Bengals? Uh, um, Taylor Mays. Taylor Mays, a great example. Uh, we were playing them. Yep. Yep. Um, and I remember, like, you watch tape, you could see him drop his head and close his eyes every time. And so we just <laughs> knew that we had to get within a yard or two, and he was going to do it, and you could just slide to the side. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, I'm throwing a shot at SC anyways, but I'm just saying, like, that, so you would study tape. Uh, that's and you that's would, odd. Yeah. <laughs> right, you, stu- you study tape, and you'd continue to, <laughs> just to pick up things. There were, we were playing Zach Taylor. Uh, not, not Zach Taylor. Zach, uh, linebacker for the Dolphins. Uh, oh, old, Thomas. Zach, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas, yeah. yeah. So Zach Thomas, we found a yeah. – 
uh, a tell in his story uh, in his when he blitz, he put his hands on his knees. If he wasn't, if his hands weren't on his knees, That's he didn't great. blitz, right? So you start to learn all these little mm. things, and now I know his pass rush moves, so now I can be more prepared for it, and I've taken all the guessing out of the game. I, I, we, you know, I played mm. against D'Amico Ryans. I played against Keith Bullock. Played against him, which was one of the toughest guys to go because yep. he has such long arms. James Harrison. I mean, we played against all these guys, and everyone has a tail, and, and so you just want to study tape to try yep. to find it. And really, for me, it was the big three things I studied were uh, were – one was pass pass routes, right? So because I was a third down back, so I'd be able to block guys. So how do they pass rush? Um, how do they cover? Mm-hmm. And then how do they tackle? And, and and if I can tell that you're a leg tackler, I know I have to pick my feet up to get over you. Uh, Bob Sanders, for example, is a, a big time leg tackler lunger, yep. he, but he was great at it. So you had to make your move a little bit further away. Um, but then there's every mm-hmm. now and then I can, you know, if I was going against my boy Antoine Bethea, I knew that he was more of a safe. He's like a um, a corraler. He's going to grab you. And he's try a to catch pull. and wrap. Yeah, a catch wrap. He's, he's a catch yeah. and wrap. So I would like shake him up and then just try to run through yep. him, right? And so we just had you just <laughs> learned as you played. You know, to, there's different guys that you do different things with each week, each game, each possession. Um, there's times where we'd play the game within the game, and I I don't know if people know about that, but the game within the game is you know in the first quarter I may run you over, in the second quarter I may shake you. In the third quarter, I may shake you again. In the fourth quarter, I'm just going to try to run past you. So now I have you guessing and not not understanding what I'm going to try to do. And we'd have people on the sideline to tell us, like, all right, it's the second quarter. Throughout the week, you said you wanted to do this. And then you'd go in the game and do that. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that, when you talk about the, the one thing we haven't harped on is balance. I, I did ballet as a kid. So I was a gymnastics ballet kid uh, as a kid. And a lot of people didn't. Really oh, understand. Was, that com- was that a comfortable experience for you <laughs> as a young kid? Well, you're five or six years old, so everybody's doing it. But um, Are my, you good? Well, no, well, yeah, my grandma, she, she, I think she said Lynn Swan did it. She, so they put me in it for a year. But it really taught me how to control Small. my body. And so when I would get hit, I knew how to, like, you know, tighten my core up or different things to be able to bounce off, spin. You know, you just learn more of what you can do. And I've done that with my kids, actually, to start putting them in gymnastics, gymnastics and different tumbling things so that they can learn their body because that, that was something that I had an advantage over a lot of guys who never did it and, and didn't know what to do. I love it. And the way you're talking about, you know, setting up your moves throughout the, throughout a game, it's the exact same thing as a pass rush. A lot of times you want your young, your pass rushers coming off the edge, hit them with power early. That sets up everything else. Then you can hit them with a counter. Then then right. you've got them guessing. You can beat them with pure speed. It's really the same exact thing you're talking about uh, carrying the football, setting up defenders uh, in the exact same way. Uh, MJD, you started 2006. And when you entered the league from from where we are then to where we are now. And if we're kind of looking and forecasting the next five to 10 years, uh, give me one thing that maybe at this point in time uh, is different, that maybe is, uh, is more valued. And then on the other side of it, something that maybe was a little more valued in 2006 that maybe not as valued as we go forward. Well, it, that, that's a tough it's a tough question because you have certain teams that do certain things. Right. So the Patriots, for example, they went on a playoff run, literally going back to 2006, R- turning around, hand the football off. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing short passes, slowing the game down, um, and wearing down the, the opposing defense. But uh, when you look at the NFL now, if you can't catch out of the backfield as a running back, you can't play. And I think that is something that yep. it w- I came in with a little bit of an advantage in certain situations, but not the best. And so I remember going to Jacksonville in 2008 or after our 2007 season. And um, and I don't know if a lot of coaches – you have to let me know if a lot of coaches do this, but our running back coach at the mm-hmm. time had said, you know – I want you to work on pass routes this offseason because we want to throw you the ball. So you got to be a receiver. I want you to learn how to run routes Mm -hmm. every day. Just work on your craft. And I did that. And then the next year I caught 62 passes. Um, 
which to me was like, wow, like that's crazy. Now I know how to run routes. I can do different things. I can be a different <laughs> weapon. But when yeah. I when I look at the yeah. Rams and the way they've they've like used Todd Gurley in certain situations, lining them up on linebackers, um, you know, getting that one on one matchup and taking advantage of it. I think now if you're a running back and you can't catch, there's no place in the NFL for you. And I want to say the Giants took a guy mm-hmm. uh, from Boston College a couple years ago that Andre Williams. Yeah, he, he couldn't. He didn't have a catch. His whole college career, and literally he mm-hmm. played two years in the NFL, and it's not his fault, but that's the league <laughs> is changing, right? So you have to be able to be a versatile, valuable weapon. Um, and if you look at all the top guys, if you, you know, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon. Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott. All these guys can go line up at wide receiver, run routes, which I think is receiver routes, which is crazy, and catch the ball. And so mm-hmm. that's the new the fad is you have to be able to not only run it in between the tackles like Christian McCaffrey and those guys, but you have to be able to be a weapon outside to be, have that check down ability or be a, uh, the first read in a, a passing concept. And so if you can do those things, that's where the game is changing. Yeah, to me, it's it's fun. This is what's, what's really enjoyable for us going through this prototype series is because there are developing some absolutes. If you're a defensive lineman that can't rush the quarterback – man, your value has plummeted. You're a running back that can't catch the ball out of the backfield. Your value has plummeted. So, I mean, it's interesting to see how this game has kind of evolved, and I love your feedback that you gave us on the position, MJD. Last question for me, then I'll let you run. Um, I've always wanted this. Sometimes you say when you hit a home run and go back to just playing high school baseball, if you just hit it sweet, you don't feel anything. I mean, it's just the most beautiful thing. You swing right through the ball. You don't even feel the contact. When you hit Sean Merriman, <laughs> um, did you feel anything, or was it just like hitting a fastball right in the barrel? Nah, it was uh, a little bit heavier than a ball, I think. Uh, we had set him up. He, <laughs> I, I, I gotta, let, me break, let me break the truth. He had got set up that whole drive. We had, All right, what tight, we, got? we had our tight end block him one time. We had a crack back hit him. Our fullback, Greg Jones, blocked them. We double teamed them. And then we got on the, you know, we got into the red zone or to the goal line. You know, everyone runs that same turn protection where you let the DN come free. And um, But all week we had said, like, you know, and again, this is all from the preparation. Like, you have – don't cut him because he's waiting for the cut. He's going to put his hands down because you're a smaller guy. Yeah. So once he puts his hand down, just hit him right mm-hmm. in his chest. And so uh, <laughs> they call the play, and I come through, and Greg does a great job of, like, bluffing him and shooting out to the flat. And he, sure enough, put his hands down, thinking I was going to cut him. And, I mean, you know, hands down, man down is what they like to say in basketball. And uh, that's what happened, you know. So a little crossover there for him. Yeah, yeah one of the best blocks in, uh, in NFL history. If you haven't seen it, uh, YouTube it. Trust me, it's, it's, uh, it's a good one. I love Sean, too. Sean had a nice great run. Great dude. Yeah, he's a great uh, dude. But, man, that was nasty. Nah, and he's doing MMA now. He's got like a whole MMA that's fighting why, league. And, 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 I'm not I, trying to mess with that. Sean, I had nothing against you, man. I'm not trying to mess with you. DJ, that's why I tell people, block. you keep bringing it up. Like, he's going to try to MMA me, and I don't have time for that. I'm trying to do this TV thing, <laughs> you know? Uh, I hear you. I hear you, man. Hey, we, I know your time's valuable, buddy. I appreciate you taking some time for us today. No problem. No problem at all. All right, Buck, look, he's he's your good buddy. You and uh, Maurice Jones, you've known each other for a long time. Go back to the days when we were both scouting him. So I'm sure you didn't hear anything in that conversation that you didn't already know. But I did find it fascinating, uh, him talking about Fred Taylor. You know, it's interesting because MJD has talked about Fred Taylor for so long being kind of the prototypical running back, the way that he's able to run inside, finish, have big playability, catch the ball out the backfield, and is just the overall tough dude that you want as the workhorse runner. 
I'm not surprised to hear him speak about number 28 with such reverence. Uh, no doubt. And uh, our next guest, Hall of Famer Terrell Davis, you're also going to hear him mention something about Fred Taylor during our discussion. I think you'll get a kick out of listening to our good buddy, TD. Let's start, first of all, with the gotta-have-its, the non-negotiables. If you're going to be a successful running back in the NFL, you've got to have what? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Well, yeah. you've got to have, the to me, the mentality, right? It starts with that. It starts with that. you got to believe that you're the best out there. Um, and then you have to have, I think the second thing is that you have vision. Uh, we're talking about some of the tangibles there. And vision, uh, you know, is to be able to see things, just not have that tunnel vision where you're just locked on to the, the block right in front of you. You've got to have sort of that wide screen so that you can see everything from the front side and the back side. And then instincts, right? The instincts and have spatial awareness where you're out there and certain, certain things happen where a back makes a cut. And you're like, well, how did he know that opening was there? He didn't see it. It wasn't vision. It was just his instincts took him there. And so some of the things I would be look at, looking at are those um, and then somewhat of a, a, a disposition, maybe a linebacker's disposition or somebody who's physical and know that it's going to be a grind. You can't be a guy that taps out when you get hit hard. So I want to see the, the toughness from a back as well. So some of the things that I would look for in running backs are those. So, so toughness really matters at the running back position when it comes to being kind of that every down workhorse. you got to be able to not only physically be able to withstand the pounder, but mentally you have to be able to kind of grind it out. How do you acquire that? Can guys acquire that? It, it's tough. I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've uh, thought about tapping out in games. <laughs> it, it is real because you are, you know, you're a hundred and you know, let's say you're 200 pounds, but you're constantly being battered. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not like, you know, you hit, you go through a, a, a hole, you get hit. And sometimes you take some, some really tough shots and you've got to mentally get yourself ready for that, that pounding. Now, how do you get ready for that? It's just practice. It is just doing it over and over again getting to a point where you feel like it is a breaking point for you, but then you have to mentally say, all right, I know that it was a tough hit, but I got to mentally get my mind right to go ahead and fight this. And that's why I want somebody who's going to be tough, who's going to be a fighter, who's not going to back down from a challenge. And that's part of the, uh, the process of a running back. It's tough out there. I'm telling yeah, you, it's hard. It's hard out there. No, see, you, it's, you, tough. You got, it's tough out in the streets, Yeah, yeah they, they, they see it all. You know, people think, you know, they, they look at the yards and they yeah. think, oh, man, you know, 200 yards rushing. He had a 2,000-yard season. You know, this guy had a you know 100-yard game. But they don't see the play in and play out. It is just – it's physical. And there are some shots that might not look like they are that tough or they hurt, but those are the ones that hurt the most. <laughs> those are the ones that hurt the most. It's wrong. <laughs> They'll get you a little bit. I, I've, been, I've been wanting to ask you this question a long time. We've known each other forever, but I, I've never asked you this one. Well, when you're evaluating running backs, there's times where this can be a positive. You talk about a guy being patient. But there's yeah. also times where I give a guy credit because I say he's decisive. Now, those are two kind of feels like opposite things. But when you're looking at that position and you're a great running back, other great running backs, how did you find that balance from knowing when to be patient, let things develop versus knowing when we got to hit it one cut and go? That is that is a great question. And it, it all starts with situation. You got to know down a distance. You got to know what you're trying to, have, uh, trying to accomplish. Now, I can be patient if it's early in the game and it's first and 10 and, you know, we're just kind of getting things started. I can be a little bit more patient there. But if it's third and one, Third and two, <laughs> the game is on the line. We need a we need a first down or we need to score a touchdown. 
there's not a whole lot of patience that 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 I could have there. You know, I I've got to be north and south. I got to go get it. And part of it too, DJ, is when a back is getting the ball 25 times a game, I can be a little bit more creative with it. In the first quarter, I might decide, okay, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bounce everything. I'm gonna take everything up the middle, but I'm setting it up for later in the game. So now I know that if they keep condensing in the box and mm-hmm. bringing backers down. I got them. I just got them. I'm setting them up for something later in the game. So then I can be patient, but then I'm going to break. I'm going to break out. So you you have to kind of just know you you have to know situation football and each situation requires you to just be different and knowing when you can be patient or knowing when you have to speed things up and just be downhill and, and just go get the positive yards. So I've, I've never told you this, but I'm, I'm going to blame you for something. I'm going to oh. blame you for what the you devaluation of the run. Oh, we blame me. <laughs> and the reason why I'm going to blame you is because, one, you were found in the sixth round and you go on to have a Hall of Fame career. So now everyone believes I can find a running back anywhere in the draft. Two, you played in a system where Mike Shanahan felt like, oh, I can just plug anybody back there and they can have success. Yeah. So to the naked eye, we have all of these people that are saying, oh, I can find a running back anywhere. I want you to explain the difference between those elites at the position and then the guys that are just the guys at the position. What's the difference? Well, there's a, there's a huge difference. Um, so just back to when I played and the everyday, you know, six-round draft pick. Yeah, I was drafted in the sixth round. But if you look at m- me before college and the way I grew up, and I would say that Georgia didn't go to California to get me because I was just a, a six-round <laughs> draft pick. That's, you know, the universe, Georgia didn't come to California to get me because of that. So that kind of gives you an idea that – it wasn't that my skills were a six-round draft pick. My circumstances were. I went to a school mm-hmm. where... That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't play well there. Uh, I got hurt. And it just wasn't, you know, things just weren't in my favor there. Um, the second thing, as far as the system we had in Denver, it was phenomenal because it, it really just emphasized a very simple model. And a model was north and south. And it was a four-yard run. We just practiced four-yard runs. That's it. And if you can get a four-yard run, that's now you're talking about second and six. You do it again, now you're talking about third and two. And so it's a chain mover. We wanted to stay on schedule. Once, so they, they just said, give me four yards. But after the four yards, it's on you. And that's where I think the difference comes when you're talking about elite backs. So a coach might say, hey, I want you to give me my three to four yards. But then what can you do that's more than just a three or four-yard run? And I believe that's where the elite backs give you. They're the ones that you look at and you watch and you say, I can't do that. And so when you put that over, uh, you know, a couple of games, a couple of seasons, then it becomes a guy who is constantly producing at a higher level. And that's the difference from, you know, the Hall of Fame backs to a guy that's that's pretty good. And that, that's what I would say. <laughs> see that? See that? that I want to get into the passing game with you. Yeah. No, see, Bucky, there you go. He's, he's, he's here. I was in the passing uh, game, DJ. I want to talk about the passing game. I know. I want to talk about the bit. passing game, but not catching the ball. Okay. I want to talk about the blocking aspect of it. And and when, when I kind of go through my checklist when I'm watching guys, I know Bucky has his checklist he goes through. I want you to help me out, TD, and tell me if I'm on the right path here or if there's another area I can focus on. Because I'm watching a back and pass protection. I really try and pay attention to four things. I, I want to see, is he aware? Does he know who he's supposed to block? Um, does he have balance? Does he have punch? And does he have sand? And, and, and you can explain what I mean by do they have sand. I, I, what is sand? You tell me what sand is. Being able to sink, being able to drop your weight. You've got some sand. You got some base to it. You know what I mean? Like you're not you're not going to be a you're not a drive through window. You can be able to anchor down a little bit. You got to have some sand. Yep, yep. Um, a lot of times it's it's really just 
your willingness to block. And you talked about DJ. It is obviously knowing who you have to block, but I'm looking for somebody that has the willingness to block. You may not be the best blocker out there, but are you willing to just go throw your whole body in there just to make – because you're not going to probably knock somebody over, but are you willing to stop the momentum of a linebacker or somebody that obviously is bigger than you? Sometimes we get paired up on a defensive end, a pure edge rusher, a middle linebacker is 250, and you're talking about somebody who's only 225 pounds. I want to see if you're, if you're willing to stick your face up in there. And a the guy that was really good at that was Clinton Portis. Mm-hmm. And I watched Clinton. Clinton sometimes wasn't technically sound, you know, didn't sink his hips a lot of times, but Clinton would go up there and give you all he had. And you have to admire that from a running back. Because a lot of times that's what we're asked to do. Just go, basically, go commit suicide. <laughs> go commit suicide. Put your face in the fan. Go go, go throw it up in there. And it's, it wasn't a, a part of my game that I enjoyed doing. But it was something that I've learned in college because I didn't run a whole lot in college. But when I got to the pros, that kind of separated me from the other guys where I felt like I was a willing blocker. Uh, I actually l- learned how to run block because I was a fullback in high school, so I had run bl- blocking ability, which is a different blocking uh, technique altogether. Because uh-huh. that one is you're coming five yards. To, I mean, you're, you're like yeah, you're battering ram, battering ram. That's mentality. That, man. that is a mentality. So I had that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and blocking it was one of the things we, we'd have a game, and I'd come out of the game, and people say, "TD had a great game." And I go back and I watch the tape. And the only thing I'm looking for are, are my blocks. I'm looking to see if I had the right blocks. Number one, like you said, DJ, did I, did I have the right assignment? And then number two, how did I do on my blocks? And I would base my the way I felt about my game on how I blocked. Because I took pride in blocking. And if you, I, I would think if you asked my coach, they would say the same thing, that that was the one thing that they felt like it, it, that meant a lot to me, was to be able to protect because I had to protect number seven back there. Oh, one. So that's a sure way to get I, fired. I can't, I can't get that man hit. <laughs> yeah, sure way to get fired. So it's funny, we're, we're talking about the passing game and b- blocking has been prioritized by DJ. I'm going to talk about route running. How important is it for, in today's game, the running back to be a factor in the passing game, being able to get open, win one-on-one matchups, catch the ball, and do things when he has the ball in his hands? Yeah, t- today more so than when I played, because we ran the ball quite a bit, and today's passing game uh, it's required for running backs to be part of that otherwise you know you, you, yeah, not, could, could, you, could you play today though like oh yeah I could like play today. your style translates oh, to today's game absolutely <laughs> now you guys need to go back and watch some tape now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. Watch some tape I've been now. on the I played against you I'm just saying yeah, like yeah, yeah. I mean we, we never talked about in the scouting report hey watch out for number 30 he sure didn't. Run routes. He, he didn't we just talked about number 30 coming downhill and how all your guys are going to cut everybody illegally that's at the right point of attack <laughs> no, I, 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 I wasn't certainly a Marshall Falk when it came to catching out of the backfield. But I think I surprised some people when you talk about catching a rock out of the backfield. You know, a few times we had a game plan and I hated it. We go through our first 15 plays and I remember we had our first play. They'd motion me out of the backfield and then they'd make me run a slant route and they'd throw yeah. the ball to me every time. This, yeah. is, this is our first 15 plays. We're starting the game. We go through the week and that's the play. Sleepless nights. I can't sleep on Saturday night because I don't. Why? I don't want the game starting off with me running a slant route. I just that's just not that that is just not <laughs> where my comfort zone. It's a quick pass. We're just trying to get you loose, trying to get you in the mix. Do you realize what happens to backs that try to run slant? <laughs> <laughs> I, they go to sleep. They go to sleep. <laughs> night night. 
And sure enough, I don't believe I've ever uh, caught that pass. <laughs> I tr- matter of fact, I try to sabotage it every time we'd run in at practice, try to drop it so they take it out the game plan. <laughs> You're awful, dude. But then they, they <laughs> put it in there. No, so yeah, I mean, you got to be able to, right now, listen, you don't have a lot of chances out there as a back to, to go back there and you're not running the ball a ton of time. So it, it is about you being more versatile nowadays because they want that versatility with the way the offense is uh, spread, spread out now. They need a back that can go out there and then maybe he's a slot guy. Maybe he can go all the way out and you get a matchup with a linebacker one-on-one. So there's more, there, there's more of that going on. We, we were kind of, you know, we, we, we were kind of who we, who, who we were. I mean, we, we, we weren't, we weren't going to change too much. We did some stuff. But we, we didn't do a whole lot of uh, me out of the backfield because that's just too much energy, man. <laughs> that's too much TD, energy. I got, I got to ask you this one, man. Yeah. I want to go back to your era and, and see if you can give me a name of somebody that maybe over time we kind of forget about. Maybe it's, it's not a Hall of Famer. But who do you feel like was were some of the underappreciated backs during your era? I got one. Uh, Fred Taylor was the most Ooh. underappreciated back in the history of running backs. He um, obviously watching Fred, but you know how every week you get to, you get the game tape in, you're watching the defense, and they're playing against Jacksonville, and you just can't help every watching time. Fred. Fred, Fred was Fred had Fred had the the checklist of things you dream about as a back. If you wanted to build the prototypical running back, it was Fred Taylor. Size, agility, speed. He had the the patience. He had some, you know, he had the quick, the quick start, stop and start. He had everything that you can want in a running back. And he just, no one, no one talks about Fred Taylor as, as, as a great running back. Um, and I think there's, there needs to be more of that because he certainly was when he played. Uh, I know he had some injuries, but when you talk about just pure skill and a man that was, Seven thousand yards, seven thousand yard seasons. As I'm looking down seven, at his numbers, there you go. Too. Seven as freaky as he was, he had some numbers too. He had some numbers to him. He had some numbers. There, there is a bit there of a campaign is. with the Jags, like they're trying to okay. get into the Hall of Fame. Me too. So now I want to take that same, like the same scope that you viewed for Fred Taylor. Give me someone who is underappreciated in today's game. In today's game, underappreciated. Well, he's probably, I mean, he's probably on his way out the door, but it'll be Frank Gore. Oh, you know, Frank, yeah. Frank Gore is, uh, Frank, it, it just, he just, he just been a consistent back since he stepped into this league. And there's never been talk about Fred Gore ever being the best back in the league in any of his years. We don't, you're really going to a season saying Frank Gore is the best back. But Frank has defied all, you know, the injuries. He's defied, really, he, he, he's not even supposed to be in football at this point. But he's still going. He's about as consistent as you can get in a running back, and he's been that way for what how hard is that? 20, Twenty years. How hard is it to be that consistent? It's it's almost impossible. It, it really is because it's just there's so many variables about how a running back has success from the system you run in, coaching, your offensive line, obviously, whether you have the you know a quarterback that can get people out of the box. There's so many variables, and then to do it every single year, like Frank has done it, you just you just look up and say, how how is he doing it, and how's he you know how long can he can he do it? Because it doesn't seem like he's stopping at any any uh, anytime soon. I know he's in Buffalo right now. That's gonna be interesting with him and Shady McCoy in Buffalo, and you see how that all pans out. But uh, yeah, Frank is probably the one that I would say. 
that's a heck of a career there uh, for Frank Gore. Give us a, give us a tip here, TD. When we're yep. talking to these running backs that are coming through the, the process and uh, the teams are talking to them at the combine, if you, if you had just one or two questions, you only got to spend a couple minutes with the running back prospect. Uh, what, what's a good question to ask these guys? We get a get a feel for them and, and how they translate. Uh, probably just. I know it's probably a generic question, but it's about do you love the game? Like like how do you? Mm-hmm. How do you do you like the game or do you love this game? Did you play with guys that didn't? Because I think people yes. think everybody that's in the yes. NFL loves no, the game. No, no, and that's no, I have. I played with guys who didn't love football. They mm-hmm. love what football could provide for them. They love what football they love the idea of being in the in the NFL, you know, you're driving nice cars, you know, it's 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 the top. But <laughs> there's a lot of guys who didn't love football from Monday to Saturday and even I had some guys I played with didn't love it on Sunday. <laughs> and they were just good enough. They were just good enough to make the roster, and they kind of found, like, that's where I wanted to be. Because here's the, here's the truth. To be, a, to be a guy that at every Sunday that you have to perform, you've got people are depending on you to mm-hmm. deliver. The burden of that, it's, it's, it's enormous. You know, unless you accept, unless you open up and say, I want that burden, I want I want that weight on my shoulders. Some people don't want that. And I, I've seen it firsthand. I'm not calling no names out, but I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> you're saying you've been able to look at all of you. Guys, well, <laughs> they didn't love it. So last, last one for me, as we, we think about the position going forward over the next 10 years, how do we expect the running back position to evolve? I hope it, it, it rebounds. Oh, yeah? And, 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 it, and it might, because I'm looking at, so you look at more – let's say younger quarterbacks coming in now and as a younger quarterback comes in and they're being, I wouldn't say forced, but they, they're expected to play earlier. What helps a, a young quarterback immediately is you've got to have balance. You've got to have an offense mm-hmm. that can run the football. And that's going to take a lot of pressure off any young quarterback and they, any quarterback would tell you that. So the more and more we're starting to see quarterbacks who are being drafted one and two and no longer can sit on the bench and wait behind a starter, they're being forced to play. Yeah, I think the running backs are coming back. And so now you're seeing the the Saquon Barkley's, you know, being drafted. I know this year we didn't, uh, Josh came in, Jacobs was pretty late in the draft, but I, I don't think that's going to continue. I think the backs will, will get drafted higher and lean, get leaned on a lot more, uh, especially in the, in the first couple of years for a young quarterback. I'm, I'm going to bring this thing full circle here from the beginning when we began talking to the end, because when Buck was talking to you about your career, TD, and you used the phrase, uh, look, you got to scout the skills, not the circumstance. And you just talk about a guy like Josh Jacobs. It was the same discussion me and Bucky were having where people were saying, yeah. well, the numbers, this, that and the other. But it's our job to say what skills does he possess and the circumstance where you're blowing people out and you've got a bunch of other running backs to get the ball to. As a scout, you've got to be able to sort through the circumstance and find the skills. I think that kind of is yeah. exactly what you were talking about in your situation. Yep, absolutely. And there, there was there is a lot of talk about Josh and, and not having, I mean, mm-hmm. he has to have a thousand yard season in, in college and the numbers weren't gaudy. But I like that. You know, I, I like the, the fact you got a guy with low mileage on his on, on the tires. and Because y'all are devalued. <laughs> Running backs are devalued. You just get anybody. You just throw anybody out there. Now, 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 you, now you don't even believe that's, that. You're not even saying that with but conviction. That's what, but that's what, that's, that's, that's what the common thought is. Like, I can find anybody off the street. No, I, I think no, I think it's a balance between that two. I think when the, when the running back started to sort of go down, there was a, an attachment to the salary cap. Mm-hmm. And when you have a back that is making tens of millions of dollars and he goes down, 
we talked about how a quarterback could ruin the franchise if you miss on him in the first round. But if you put money into a running back and he goes down. Oh, so, so I, that's what I get what you're saying. So I should draft him out but never pay him a, a second contract. Well, that's well. I'm not saying that either. I'm not. I know. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that that's what happened. So yeah. then, instead of putting money into one back, they started saying, "Okay, well, you know what? Let's not pay this back a lot of money. Let's get a second back who's kind of a complimentary piece, and then we can sort of and then never pay. And then we can devalue him by li- making sure that his it takes his a production, village, yeah, his production comes down. And then it was like a negotiating ploy. But no, backs. <laughs> I, please. I need backs need to be paid as much as quarterbacks need to be paid. Oh, yes. I, I'm not. I, you can't I, have a thirty million. I, I said that guy. when Lev Bell was holding out. I said he needs to be paid. How, how is it that you got a receiver who makes more money than a running back, and he 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 touches the ball maybe eight times a game? Because he's all the way out there. He's safe. It, eight he's times safe. a game. So so that's so, away from all the. Noise. So his eight times a there. game is going to have a greater <laughs> impact than someone who's touching it twenty times a game. Well, I mean, how do we measure that? Do we measure it by yards? I think they're thinking length. I think they're touchdowns. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot more. There's a lot more 33 year old wide receivers still floating around out there than yeah. there 33 year old running backs. That would be my my only counterpoint. But I'm with you on the running back. Get theirs. Go get your money. I'm not. I'm not against that. Thank you, DJ. <laughs> I like running backs. Right, see, I just well, in the conversation. Just, this is all I twisted. Just to solve, I pay running solve backs. I pay running yeah. backs. <laughs> hey, TD. Thanks for your time, brother. We appreciate you, man. Thank you, guys. Well, Buck, look, Terrell Davis, he lights up a room. You talk about quarterbacks having a presence. He has a presence. You definitely feel uh, that you're around a Hall of Famer, and I love his insights at the running back position. Love his insights. Love the way that he described the, the must-haves, the traits that you have to have to be a high-level back. He talked about the attitude, uh, the willingness to, to be all in love with the football game, the toughness that you have to exhibit. Yes, you have to have the balance and, and the other stuff, but a lot of it was mindset and mentality. I think those things are critical to being a guy that can really handle the load each and every week. We're talking about 25, 30 carries a game. No doubt. Uh, good to catch up with TD. Now, I want to get a front office perspective on the position. We talked at the top of the show about our evaluation. Uh, Anxious to hear what some of the top evaluators say about the position. That leads us to our conversation here with Tennessee Titans general manager, John Robinson. Let's talk a little bit about the running back position. And and John, when you just start with a very simple question, in the evaluation process, doesn't have to be anybody on your team, but just in general, the best running back you saw on a college football field that you evaluated was who? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would say there's there was several. Um, Adrian Peterson's up there. Marshawn Lynch, for, he's a, he's up there. Um, you know, there, there there's a lot. There's a there's been a lot of good ones that, that I've been able to, uh, to to look at over the course of my time. What about those guys that kind of set them apart to put them on top of the hill? Yeah, I, I think you know every back is different. Just like just like our you know our stable of backs that we have here, Derek Derek Henry's run style it's it's different than 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 Dion's. Uh, run style is um, it, it, the one thing that I tell our scouts and I impress upon our scouts is is when they have a chance to have the ball in their hands, whether it's it's handed to them or thrown to them, uh, do they make yards with it? You know, are they competent in mm-hmm. in, in blitz pickup, or is that something where you're really going to have to get them out of the backfield and throw them the ball because uh, they just struggle in pass protection for whatever reason? You know, I'd say with both of those guys, both of those guys were difference makers uh, with the with the ball in their hands, whether you you handed it to them or, or, or threw it to them, and you had to you had to account for those guys on a on a weekend and week out basis. So, John, the way the game has changed, how much of what they're able to 
do in terms of impact in the passing game? How big of a role does that play in the evaluation when you're looking at running backs? Yeah, you know, it's become tougher and tougher. Um, you, you see um, less and less uh, 21 personnel packages. It's more spread offense now and, and where the quarterback's looking to the sideline and he's getting a play off of a poster board. And, um, but you still have to fundamentally, it's our belief, you got to be able to run the football. Uh, you got to be able to put your hand in the dirt, uh, move guys off the line of scrimmage uh, with the lineman. Uh, back's got to get downhill. He's got to find his run lanes. He's got to get behind his pads, and he's got to he's got to be able to move the chains. And that just sets up and allows you to build uh, your play action game, your screen game. It opens up the downfield passing game. Uh, but I think foundationally, when you can really establish the run game, it um, it allows you to really build and open up the offense. How challenging is it from an evaluation standpoint uh, when you're not going to get a chance in some of these offenses to see uh, what you're going to ask these guys to do in your offense? And, and let's just take the pass protecting thing for example you can watch um you know i think the little running back from washington state last year is a pretty good example i mean they just release him every single time they threw him a million balls so you know the kid can catch there's no evidence whatsoever on tape that this guy knows how to pass protect now can you extrapolate anything from just how a guy runs from you know how physical he runs or is there something you can gain from the workout process in the spring where you can get yourself to be comfortable selecting a player and asking him to do something you've never seen him do yeah it's 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 hard it's i mean it's hard to at a lot of positions, you know, whether it's an offensive line that, you know, they ask him to kind of slide left or slide right. They're never asked to, you know, to come off the ball and try to move anybody off the ball in the run game. And it's hard for, for, for running backs when they're, when they're never asked to, you know, to, to read and where the secondary pressure is coming from and get themselves in position to pick up the blitz. Um, but you make a great point. You know, you have to, you have to really analyze the, uh, the physicality, the style that they, that they run with. Uh, do they welcome contact at the end of, in, at the end of runs? Uh, and then that's where in the spring process, the pro day and in the, the private workout settings um, with the installation of what you're going to ask them to do. Are they going to be competent enough to, to you know, siphon through uh, the calls, the checks that the quarterback might make so that they can ID who they're supposed to pick up? Uh, and then and then be withholding a bag or, or sending a couple pressures, um, try to put them through a scenario to see if they're going to be able to handle it. You know, J-Rob, you talk about you guys being a bit of a throwback franchise in terms of still believing that you got to be able to put your hand in the dirt. You have to be able to run the ball. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to assume that you still believe that running backs are still marquee players. Why are running backs still marquee players in a league that is trending towards the passing game and the quarterbacks? Well, I mean, I, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, players on, on an offense and defense that are, that are premium players. Uh, we just try to get as many good football players on, on our team as, as possible. But, you know, I think if you were to, uh, to ask 31 other GMs that running the football is, it's an important part uh, of what every offense wants to be about. It, 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 it just, like I said earlier, it, it really opens up the playbook when you can establish the run game. You can, um, you can control uh, what defenses are doing somewhat. So uh, I think all of us, uh, you know, every team in the National Football League wants to have a sound run game uh, so that they can build their, the, the pass game off of it. What, where does uh, last question for me here? But where do you see analytics fitting in all this? Because I know the analytic folks get upset when you talk about running the football and establishing a physical identity, and they go, oh, you know, that's not the way. It's you know, that's archaic. And look at the yards per attempt when you look at passing the football versus running the football. Uh, what's your answer to that? Because I know there's a place for analytics. I know you guys incorporate it, use it here or there. But what's your answer to that when you get hit with those questions? 
Well, I think what we try to do is on a weekend and week out basis, uh, try to build build the game plan uh, strategically so that we can uh, maximize our opportunities to move the ball down the field and, and score. There's going to be um, we're very game plan specific. There's going to be games where we run the ball more. There's going to be games where we might throw the ball more, depending upon you know how how the how the defense uh, plays us, and, and that's going to dictate uh, what we what we do. And there's certainly an analytic component that that plays into to a lot of this. There's you know, there's some stat-driven theories. Um, at the end of the day, we try to watch as much film as possible and try to um, come up with plays that are going to put our offense uh, and defense uh, when we're playing defense in the most um, advantageous position possible uh, to play winning football. Good word. Can't thank you enough for your time, man, and uh, we appreciate you. You got it. Uh, all the best to you guys. Have a great summer. Always great to, uh, to catch up with J-Rob there, Buck. Yeah, always great. And I, I think the Tennessee Titans are an interesting study because he talked about having multiple running backs that can occupy a role. And if you don't have one back that can do everything, then you have to have multiple backs that can be positioned uh, to handle the responsibilities. And so I like what they have. I like how they do it. I think he is really intent on going from good to great. And it really starts in that running back room and trying to assemble enough pieces to field a great running game. No doubt. Great to uh, to catch up with him and get his perspective. I think as we kind of wrap this thing up, we've had great guests. We've mentioned what we believe is important at the position. I think to just kind of pull it all together, why don't we uh, limit ourselves to one? And let's come with who you believe is the prototype at the running back position for the way the game is played today. Buck, if I only give you one name, who is it? If you gave me one name, I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys as my prototypical running back. It's the size, the toughness, the finish ability, and the ability to catch the ball out the backfield. If you had to give me one trait, it's all about the finish because in the fourth quarter, when everyone knows that the ball has to be run, Ezekiel Elliott finds a way to finish the game, and that is what a big-time workhorse running back is supposed to be able to do. He is a great player, and I think we're in an era right now where we have a handful of guys that deserve mention. But if I have to choose one, I'm going to stay in the division, but I'm going to go Saquon Barkley. I know he's only one year in now, but I saw everything that I saw at Penn State. I saw it at the NFL level, which is his ability to run between the tackles, to run outside, to be able to have a major impact in the passing game as a route runner, uh, as a receiver, and what he can do after the catch. And uh, I just don't know if there's another package that he has. When you talk about the height, weight, speed, the instincts, the balance, the home run ability, I don't know what skill he doesn't possess. In my opinion, I think he has everything. To me, he's the prototype. He certainly is the prototype. He's the new school. We talked about you can measure him with 100-yard rushing games. You have to measure him on scrimmage yards. And his ability to compile not only rushing yards but receiving yards makes him a tough challenge for defensive coordinators around the league. He, to me, is a new school running back that we all will be seeking when we're trying to build our team. I was this. I was tempted to say McCaffrey. I didn't do it, but I do want to give uh, Christian McCaffrey a little love there because he's a unique, unique playmaker. Uh, but I like the two names that we came up with there, Ezekiel Elliott as well as Saquon Barkley. They are our prototypes at the position. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode as we go through our prototype series. We're going to have every position covered, so keep an eye out. We're going to have wide receivers, quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to have defensive players as well. Uh, hopefully you'll get a lot out of that. I enjoy talking with our guests, Buck, and I feel like I learned something as we've gone through this series. Yeah, I absolutely have learned a lot about the running back position. Having the guys on that we had today, I am just fascinated by what I'll be able to do when it comes to evaluating running backs going forward. There you go. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Move the Sticks, the prototype series 
the running back position is in the books. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.